The Forum and Workplace Inclusion's 2022 podcast series is sponsored by Best Buy. More diversity in tech means more ideas that can change the world. Learn more at bestbuy.com slash more of this. Registration is now open to the Forum's 34th annual conference, Solving for X, tackling inequities in a world of unknowns. The Forum and Workplace Inclusion Annual Conference is the United States' largest workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion conference designed for a national and global audience. Maximize your budget and register today by taking advantage of early bird prices. But hurry, because our early bird rates won't last forever. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org for more information and to register. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast series brought to you by Best Buy. I'm Ben Rue, Program Manager here at the Forum. We're really looking forward to today's podcast, Pursuing Better Community Health Outcomes Through Inclusion and Diversity in the Workplace with Damian Jones of Bayer. In this episode, Damian shares his journey as Global Head VP of Inclusion and Diversity at Bayer, the global pharmaceuticals and life sciences company. Damian has a unique perspective on how large health-focused companies like his can foster dialogues that promote inclusive work environments that help all employees thrive and in turn lead to better business outcomes for the organization and better health outcomes for its customers. As an advocate who seeks to encourage diverse and equitable experiences, especially in the workplace, Damien's efforts have led to the formation of grassroots groups across Bayer, allowing employees to discuss and advocate for causes related to inclusion and diversity. This podcast will encourage transparent discussions, empower employees to seek equitable solutions in the workplace, and help them build trust among their colleagues and within their community. Damian Jones serves as Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion for Bayer, helping lead the company's HR Innovations Department. Damian is responsible for guiding Bayer's global inclusion strategy and working with heads of companies' business units to implement cultural infrastructure across the company and recommend actions to promote more equitable outcomes and experience for employees. Previously, prior to its acquisition by Bayer, Damien led strategic and enterprise-wide initiatives for Monsanto, where he helped oversee diversity mentorship and unconscious buyers training. While at Monsanto, he was responsible for managing the executive team talent review and succession planning process to ensure equitable representation among the company's leadership. Damien is a founding board member of the Heartland St. Louis Black Chamber of Commerce, which was formed in response to the Ferguson Commission's report's recommendations to aid the socioeconomic stability for black businesses in the region. He also sits on the board of the Biome, a youth learning center STEM charter school in St. Louis that channels Carol Dweck's work on the growth mindset to instruct students in underserved communities. 
Damien is frequently asked to guest lecture and lead webinars on topics of inclusion, psychology, and leadership within various corporate, educational, and civic institutions. He received his bachelor's degree in psychology from Morris Brown College, HBCU, and both his master's and doctorate from St. Louis University, where he specialized in social and organizational psychology. Thank you so much, Damien, for being here and being part of our 2022 podcast series. Um, first of all, why don't you tell us about your experience as a DEI executive in the healthcare industry? Take us through the your journey to becoming the global head VP of inclusion and diversity for such a large company like Bayer. All right. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate the uh, question. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, it really began for me in my education. So I started uh, majoring in psychology. Uh, I attended a historically black college and university, uh, specifically Morris Brown College, which was a nice departure from having previously been at a predominantly white high school. And so I wanted a different experience. Um, majored in psychology, went on to grad school at St. Louis University, where I specialized in social and organizational psychology. And from there, got an internship at Monsanto, where I was able to get some exposure to U.S. compliance issues, things like affirmative action, C-suite talent review, succession planning, HR analytics, uh, and, and, and so forth. And that was a great opportunity. Some critical experiences that took place, uh, which helped me transform into the, you know, eventually becoming the role that I'm in now, is we went through a few HR reorganizations. In addition to that, there was some headcount dedicated to HR compliance, which then freed me up to really focus more on the inclusion and diversity elements beyond compliance. Out of that, I was able to have some good experiences around uh, outlining uh, a diversity dashboard that was used globally, as well as some training related to unconscious bias that was done globally. And so those were critical experiences that really helped propel um, uh, the impact I could have uh, in, in my career beyond what I had done previously. And all of that, of course, led up to being able to be a global leader in the space within Monsanto. And as we were acquired by Bayer, um, uh, I was able to take on that responsibility as well. Wow, that is quite the journey. Thank you for sharing. And how can DEI executives work with their companies to promote the idea of equitable healthcare, both inside and outside of the workplace? Well, I think that it starts with awareness of the fact that there is, in fact, inequitable healthcare in a lot of places. And I think any, if anything has really highlighted that, it has been this global pandemic. And what we recognize is that there are people who are um, essential workers who maybe prior to this hadn't been thought of as essential, but we recognize how essential they are now. Uh, and many of them oftentimes, uh, I know I've noticed this in the U.S. as well as in, um, in places like the U.K., there's this tendency to find that these newly essential workers tend to oftentimes be from communities that are historically marginalized, could be mm. socioeconomically, could be racially, uh, in any number of dimensions. And so is critical for them to have access to the kind of healthcare they need to do their jobs, which we recognize as essential. And so I think part of it is the awareness element. I think the other piece is then how do you engage? So one example of that for Bear is that we were leveraging in prior years, previous to the pandemic, um, one of our uh, business resource groups focused on people of African descent to work with the Congressional Black Caucus in the US and had a presence where we were talking about educating 
um, the black community in particular about the fact that we do need to continue to follow doctor's orders as it relates to uh, heart care and, um, and, and, and heart disease prevention. For example, uh, taking your doctor's orders on whether it be baby aspirin or whatever the case may be. And so we knew that there was misinformation out there. And so we took an opportunity with that audience to engage and correct some of that. Uh, so those are examples where organizations can work internally to create the awareness as well as externally. One other example I would give is uh, RBRGs even focusing on those things within specific communities. So again, going back to our BRGs for people of African descent, being able to say, look, we know there's misinformation about the vaccine. And um, therefore, let's really have an, our own internal conversation where we talk about this, um, because there can be cultural reasons, there can be historical reasons why specifically, let's say people of African descent may not get the vaccine as much. There's a lack of trust and things of that nature with the medical community given past uh, uh, actions. And therefore, how do we rebuild that trust? And so we start in-house first, uh, as well as engaging externally. That is so awesome. Thank you for that. And yeah, and like ERGs and BRGs can have such a positive force or positive effect in the workforce. What suggestions can you give to DA executives who are looking to establish employee research group that foster positive change through discussions and discussions on diversity and differing lived experiences? Like like what you have at Bear, it sounds like. Yeah. No, it's it's a great question. I think one of the things that I found helpful over the years has been really evolving the mindset of those ERGs to become business resource groups. And, and that's a formal designation. A lot of companies use different terms for this. Yeah. I'm not recommending terminology. I'm just more so talking about the mindset, which is to say, these aren't really just many fiefdoms that exist where the only engagement that those people who are leading it are really focused on is just their own internal membership. Rather, uh, the idea should be, how do we leverage these groups to shift the culture of the organization. And with that, also how that organization engages uh, our customers and, 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 um, and the people that we're trying to impact. And so from that vantage point, formalizing that structure to really be more business-minded centered around how do we shift our corporate culture uh, and how we engage our customers is important. Some of that can happen through really formalizing the selection of these things. Oftentimes it can be um, a, competition, a popularity competition as to who becomes the leader. It's the person who's the most passionate. Mm -hmm. But we've also seen instances where people who are very passionate but may, may not be fulfilling their day job responsibilities. So you have to have a standard for what, what is happening. There has to be a good balance. And it should be seen as an investment because these people are, are, are leading yes. with influence. They're, they're, they've got budget. They've got access to senior leadership. They've got access to a large portion of our of our employee base. So we should really formalize those experiences so that we're intentional about who has them. Um, you know, leveraging that passion, but also aligning it with how we think about the future of our talent pipeline and diversifying that pipeline. So I think that's a critical integration element. In addition to being very clear with how the corporate mission for Bayer that's health for all, hunger for none, really gets translated through that community's lens. And so that could be things like, you know, focus groups, understanding how, how do we do a better job of making sure that people want to take the medications and or have access to and know about uh, the nutritional or food benefits that we're providing through, uh, through suppliers in the upstream. So these are things that I think 
ERGs, and if you want to call them BRGs. Uh, I've also heard of them called BENs, which I personally like. Yeah. <laughs> Business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much. Um, well, thank you so much for that. Um, and as a seasoned DEI executive, how has your personal experience in the workplace affected the way you pursue diversity and inclusion in, in your own community? Well, I, I think, again, this is another one where the pandemic has really been eye-opening because, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, you know, as an, as an African-American man, you know, I'm talking with other members of my community and other communities, um, not just the Black community, but many communities where there, again, is this distrust, either of the medical community and or of government around, you know, the viability of this vaccine, should we be taking it? How do I feel about mask mandates? And being able to really have those conversations, not only personally, but professionally and say, look, we're a healthcare organization. You know, it's important for us to have faith in the healthcare system because we're helping to influence it. It's part of who we are. So I think being able to, to take that, if you will, conviction and say, you know, while there have been issues in the past, we recognize that, you know, this is a new day, that there's more uh, coverage and support around ensuring that we're not using uh, these opportunities to vaccinate for anything else. And so let's, let's, let's display some trust and let's mm -hmm. apply that and let's lead by example uh, to really help with that. And so I think it's been a very interesting personal and yet also professional uh, transition to think about how we ensure that we truly are creating health for all and hunger for none. Yeah, it is a, a yeah, interesting position to be in, um, being in the healthcare field, not directly, but, um, sure. but also being working with diversity and inclusion, because unfortunately this country and many do have a bad, um, bad history and uh, given minority or communities, a lot of reasons not to trust the exactly. healthcare system and the government here in the states. I mean, uh, on a personal note, I'm going through something right. Well, my mother is going through something right now. She's a nurse and she got COVID in the beginning. Um, mm. Now she's struggling with workman's comp and other things. And she had a doctor tell her that her fatigue, her fatigue was not because of residual from COVID, but because she is an African American and African Americans are prone to fatigue, which is. Yeah, I was just gobsmacked. I was like, I can't believe that actually happened in right. 2021. Right. Um, and right. so it so, so just shows how much work still needs to be done for ec equitable um, treatment in the healthcare industry. Um, but taking it outside of the US, Bear is a global organization. Your role is a global one. You recently published a think piece on LinkedIn titled Approaching Diversity. Um, holistically in Europe and beyond. Uh, the article discusses how diversity takes on a different meaning across various geographies around the world. Would you tell us about that and how it impacts your perspective slash work here in the US and your goals for diversity across Bayer? Sure, so, you know, so that think piece was really one where I was really focusing on uh, the fact that while it's not uncommon for many companies because it's more easily tracked to really focus on gender around the world. The tendency is for that to be at times potentially potentially limiting uh, and, and particularly for companies that may not be as far along or for parts of the world where the topic is not as far along. Um, oftentimes it can be very singularly focused on gender, uh, yet there are other dimensions of diversity as we know 
where there are universal needs for equity, for inclusion, and certainly we can talk about, for example, people um, with disabilities. Um, we know that, that those things are tracked outside the U.S. in places like Germany, um, where it's actually quite rigorous. They get into percentages of how uh, the percentage of how disabled you are, uh, wow. which is very interesting. Um, Sounds very then, German. <laughs> it, it is. It's very process oriented and very uh, specific. And then you have also other parts of the world like Brazil, where, you know, they have almost more of a quota type thing where they say, you know, a certain percentage of your workforce has to be uh, disabled or you pay fees. Right. And so mm -hmm. these are things um, where you're dealing with how different parts of the world think about this issue of inclusion, how they begin to institutionalize it. I think at some point, though, all of that has to translate into a common value that's global. Um, and what that common value means is that whether we're tracking it or not, conceptually, what's behind this is the need to represent everyone and to be able to be inclusive of everyone and to not exclude people when it comes to talent, when it comes to customer engagement. Um, and, and, and how we even think about developing and engaging people, uh, no matter their status. And so that's something that uh, does have to be operationalized and have to be thought through. And so the piece was really about saying, let's move beyond gender, just because it's the one thing we can measure globally and really mm -hmm. make sure that we're looking at things like LGBT inclusion, what that looks like in places where it's really volatile and, and it's really um, uh, very negative in places like Poland and in Eastern Europe and yeah. things like that. So, you know, let's take a global perspective, be sensitive to the needs as they exist in those different places and address them accordingly. Thank you for that. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Bear is a German company. Um, it's, and we have, we have actually some presenters and other people in our network who have attended our conference and, and just like begged us to bring this to Germany and bring this to Europe because mm -hmm. there really isn't anything like this, you know, all encompassing, like as, as all encompassing as the forum is and intersectional as the forum is, to your point, they really focus on things just like gender and mm -hmm. like gender equality, but sure. they like the, a lot of them were like, their minds were blown to think of like the, all the different intersectionality that with race and really just, um, traditions and, um, you know, uh, like you mentioned, uh, sexual, sexual orientation. So, right. so keep, uh, keep an eye open. Maybe the forum will be taking it on the road to Germany. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. We'd, we'd love to have you. Yes. I, will, I was going to say, we'd love to have you if we do. Absolutely. Um, well, this has been such a great conversation and I'm really sad to say that this is our last question, but I think this is a really great question to end on. Um, before I ask that again, thank you so much for being coming here and having this conversation and sharing your, your journey and your knowledge. Um, for this last question, what do you think are the most important things that corporate America should be doing to help bridge divides in healthcare? You know, I think one of the most important things they can do, and I kind of go back to an earlier answer, which is it starts with awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we need to start educating ourselves and becoming aware of the fact that um, there is inequity in these healthcare systems because there are inequities in, in society. Um, you know, one of the interesting things that I have heard uh, in, in parts of Europe and other parts of the world um, not just Europe, is this idea that inclusion and diversity as a topic is really a U.S. thing. And, and that's a very, uh, that, that's a misnomer, right? These aren't just U.S. topics. Um, th these are global issues because they're very human issues. 
And so while we may not track ethnicity or race in places like China or in Europe, it doesn't mean that people from those different ethnicities or races, if they're non-Chinese or non-white even, that mm-hmm. they're not experiencing a different society. And that as a part of that society, they're not experiencing potentially different healthcare. And so we have to become curious beyond what's being measured to understand what are the different experiences that people have um, in healthcare. And once we become curious and we become aware, then we can begin to uh, impact that more positively. Um, and, and I think another step in that process is for leaders to lead inclusively. And in some cases, that mean from a pla- that may mean from a place of vulnerability, which is to say, you know what? I learned something today. I didn't realize that Black people in Switzerland are still dealing with racism. I thought we were just this wonderful, peaceful place. Yet I know for a fact that I've, you know, I've talked to Black employees who have experienced on the streets, um, you know, people spitting in front of them and saying, you know, Black lives don't matter. And that's happening in peaceful Switzerland. So wow. you can imagine what may be happening in other places, right? And so, and so if we're not willing to talk about that, who knows what she's experiencing uh, in the healthcare system, who knows mm-hmm. what they're experiencing in other places. So again, awareness, once you have the awareness, being able to reflect and say, I didn't know these things were happening, but now that I do, and to say that publicly, I want us to be committed to making sure that we're creating an equitable environment here, but then also influencing that equity in the, in the, in the healthcare industry. And I think it starts with leaders being willing to be open to the idea that there may be things going on they don't know and to talk about their learnings because you can still lead from a place of vulnerability as we've hear, heard people like Brene Brown say. Thank you so much for that. And could you give me like any examples of anything that Bear is doing specifically to, um, with this, to as, yeah, to address this with your, with you like, again, you're a global company and you have sure. people of all nationalities, all, um, all races and all, you know, sexual orientations working yeah. out in this global company. Do you have any, sorry to put you on the spot, but do you have yeah. any, but, um, or any, or what's Bear doing to address this? Yeah, so some, some clear examples, I'll go back to when George Floyd was killed. Um, you know, one of the things that we did is we, yes, we had our US conversations around, um, you know, giving employees a chance to talk about what it was they were experiencing, what they were going through to reflect and to have conversation. And in many cases, some employees joined to, to, to voice their perspectives, their frustrations. Uh, some joined to ask questions. Others just wanted to listen, to mm-hmm. hear different perspectives. And so that's helpful. One of the things that we did, though, beyond that was we also expanded those conversations to be global conversations. At the time, there were about 20 different countries that were experiencing um, um, protests. Uh, and some of that was out of empathy. Some of it was a uh, uh, more personally felt protest, but these were protests that took place in 20 other countries that we had operations in. So that meant that this was a global issue that we needed to address. So that's one thing of, of having those conversations. Another thing that gets really practical, especially as you think about the healthcare industry, is diversity of clinical trials. Mm. So we had an article that was published on our internet site about the commitment that we have to doing that. And it goes back to that vision, health for all, hunger for none. And so what that means is, what are the things that Bayer is doing 
to make sure that we're creating equitable access to healthcare. Well, part of that healthcare is on the front end when we're de- we're designing the, the the solutions. We're coming up with the innovations and the breakthroughs. Who's involved in that process? And so that's where things like telehealth comes in, especially with this pandemic. People can't always show up at a facility to respond to a study request. Um, so you know, to what extent we're we're exploring concierge transformation or, or rather transportation services so that we can maybe help people who may not be able to get to those uh, uh, clinical, those trials get there mm-hmm. to physically present, be present, having, <clears throat> we're trying out e-consent forms so that we can make sure that people have permission and can provide that permission digitally to participate, um, home nursing, um, social media considerations, and, and a lot of different things that we're doing even direct to patient shipments so that you can involve people who may or may not have the resources or capability to come to a site for it to be part of a clinical trial so that you have a more diverse representation, which maximizes the efficacy of what we innovate to provide healthcare solutions. And so I think that's the kind of thing that um, organizations like Bayer and many others need to do to really be more inclusive when we think about just the front end of um, uh, providing those solutions. Wow. Thank you so much again for the work that you're doing. And thank you for being here um, as being part of the uh, forum podcast series. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here and I look forward to the next time. Thank you so much, Damien, for this wonderful podcast. And thank you to our listeners and our sponsor, Best Buy. To learn more about better community health outcomes, you can email Damien at damien.jones at bayer.com. New episodes of the Forum podcast are available at forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash podcast. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening and have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the liberal arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.